1: Tell me about a time that you or somebody you know, like, you know, the story personally, tell me about a time that you or somebody, you know, either separately or together or neither of you were actually involved or not like think. And it could be an instance, too. So tell me about a time time or an instance or even a place that you and this person that you know you know this person so this isn't a random person tell me about a time or or a place or an instance that you or this person either separately or together could be either one maybe none of you honestly were involved in this or not involved Hey,
2: fun fans. It's another episode of we enjoy. Welcome back. How you doing? I know you can't answer me, but so I'll just say uh, you guys are doing great as we are. We are the Mattitude, Eric. I am Matt Fowler. Say hello, Eric Goldman.
3: Hello. Thank you it for is, sure uh, this the, e- late, Matt.
2: Late. It is the evening time. I've already told you that uh, uh, when the sun sets, Matt gets sleepy. Sleepy time for Matt. You know that tea, Sleepy Time, it was named after me in the evening. Hmm. Uh, how you doing, Eric?
3: I'm good. Uh, thanks for doing this later than we normally do. I was at a screening of The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. Uh, that I just got back from...
0: Did the devil make you watch it?
3: It did not. I, just I did not see The, the Conjuring
2: 2. So oh. I don't think I actually need to, to see this one, but yeah.
3: <laughs> You're probably fine. Uh, yeah, I enjoy these movies. I'm not like way into them. My, the best of all The Conjuring movies to me, like Conjuring Universe, I should say, was Annabelle Creation. The, the Annabelle prequel was my favorite. Uh, that that movie just re- kind of worked in a way more than the others. Even though I enjoy the others, um, but uh,
2: I feel like not a lot. Not most people don't realize how expansive the Conjuring verse is and, how, and successful how successful
3: it is. hugely successful, yeah.
2: Because we just did the Saw movies, and we're doing Spiral this week, so we're talking about another James Wan. Wait, yes. Yes. yes, James Wan.
3: Like he, he also did Insidious. Yes, incredibly successful franchise creator. Uh, yeah. Arguably like the most successful franchise creator of this century. Uh, it, kind of amazing really when you think about it, how many movies that like has spawned from things he made. And he still like Saw's the one he had nothing to do with basically after the first one. I mean, he got a, like he got a credit on them. Even Spiral, he's got an EP credit on, but he had nothing to do creatively with. Whereas um, Insidious, I think he's been a little bit involved with, but Conjuring, he even had a story by credit on this new one. Uh, So it feels like it's his baby, even if he's not directing them, but he still like kind of stays involved uh, a little bit. And
2: they're like, nine movies or eight and i've only seen one so i feel way behind in the conjuring verse i haven't oh, so you've seen you've never
3: seen any of the spin-offs?
2: no i didn't see any of the annabelles or the nuns or the the uh, uh a... yeah and i haven't seen any of the insidiousness this is. uh i have only seen sinister which came around at the same time as them which i have was not from... seen <laughs> which is not from james wan which i really enjoyed and had a very Poor sequel that kind of put a halt <laughs> to that entire franchise.
3: I have not seen uh, Sinister, uh, which is not for James Wan and also does not star Patrick Wilson, who stars in Insidious and The Conjuring. Yes, yeah, so uh, Patrick really Wilson saying.
2: has become, uh, with that, and Aquaman has become a James Wan player.
3: Oh yeah, well going back of course, uh, oh wait, I almost, uh, no, 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 was there something else he did? No, no, I almost started to cr- connect him back to snyder's stuff because snyder uses patrick wilson a lot too uh, to Watchmen, but, yeah <laughs> yes yes so uh yeah so how was it how was the? i don't know it's uh, no, probably embargoed i enjoyed, I enjoyed it i know it's not embargoed because it's opening so soon. like by the time people hear this it'll be you can go see it tonight because thursday night uh it'll be playing uh no i enjoyed it uh like i said uh these movies are kind of like forgettable to me like i don't like they don't really retain to me, but I enjoy them. I, I'm happy for Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga having a, a franchise, a big ongoing franchise with spinoffs and connections. Like you know, the third Annabelle, they did little like small cameos in. Uh, it's it, it's I feel good for them because they're good actors uh, and uh, uh, and yeah, it's 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 enjoyable to spend some time with the war. We enjoy
2: uh, good things happening to people we enjoy <laughs> who true. are good. Um, let me think. Here, um, I was going to say, oh, Vera Farmiga, uh, You and I also both enjoy Bates Motel, which we might wind up on one of our good things to enjoy at some at some point in the future.
3: Well, I also thought one day uh, that maybe we could do the Psycho franchise, and if we did that, we could maybe do the Bates Motel pilot. Uh, I don't think we'd. Do oh, all the, the pilot's effort. so good. It's <laughs> yeah, a Radiohead
2: yeah. song in it. Okay, yeah. um, which is all I need to like a pilot, really.
3: <laughs> and,
2: so we're going to be talking about two movies that were released in theaters, Eric, theaters very recently. One just opened, one was about a month old, uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw, and Cruella. Thematically, they are connected by the fact that they are in
3: theaters. <laughs> and that people are torn apart in horrific ways. Are they? In <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, if you want to see, arguably. Emotionally. We're talking yeah. emotionally, right?
2: Okay. Um, so that's our main event today. And um, we are the Mattitude Eric. Like I said, you can find Eric and myself on Twitter at the Eric Goldman, the Matt Fowler over on Patreon. For $2 a month, you can get a commercial-free version of this podcast. That's We Enjoy Podcast over on, over on Patreon.com. We are at We Enjoy Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us a letter, it could be in all caps, uh, it could be in um, underlined, it could be in italics, but uh, none of that will. Huh? Electronic, Electronic. mail. <laughs> right the, to my inbox. My overcrowded inbox, which just goes every day. I can't delete as fast as they come in, Eric. <laughs> and uh, we've got some news now. So we're recording this one Wednesdays now, like we said last week. And this week is a little different because on three-day weekends, the news is still going to be slow come Monday. So we're kind of in a, a bit of a news deficit here. So we're just uh, scraping a little bit.
3: It's not bad, but we're scraping. Um, but I'm okay. Like I think you're more news concerned than I am because I'm like, eh, if we have a week and we do no news or just do one news. Well, let's not do any news this
2: week then, Eric. How do you feel about that? Fine. <laughs> oh, wow. You pulled my bluff
3: that's right well i want to talk about borderlands casting (laughs) and silhouettes of actors in borderlands
2: yes as cape Blanchett and as the silhouette of lilith Uh, (laughs) jamie lee curtis is and ariana greenblatt are great sources for all the behind the scenes stuff if you want to follow them on instagram if you are interested at all in the borderlands movie also what we are not talking about which maybe some of our listeners might expect it to we kind of keep the wrestling chatter over to we enjoy wrestling only because uh, yeah, if, if you don't know wrestling, you know from a hole in the wall, then it's not going to mean anything to you. Just to say that very surprising releases happened today. Uh, there are there are people that you kind of know are always on the <laughs> should we call them on the bubble Eric there are people on the bubble of cancellation sure, yes, yes. within <laughs> the wrestling community specifically in WWE because they haven't been on TV in a while and they're not right. used creatively well or they're not used at all and so sometimes you hear names and you're like yeah that makes sense and sometimes you hear names it's always like wow they were just in the main event on the last pay-per-view <laughs> and that doesn't make sense at all uh, or they were just given a storyline last week which will now uh, They'll all just go pretend nowhere. like it never happened. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're not going to be deep diving into that. But yeah, some, uh, some people we really do enjoy uh, were let go by WWE today. For shocking news. But let's talk about um, someone uh, who isn't on the bubble. Or maybe he is on the bubble, but it's like a toxic sludge billionaire bubble, which is Terry Silver, who made his fortune <laughs> after being rescued... <laughs> By John Crease in Vietnam, uh, he's f- single-handedly funding Cobra Kai in the '80s, a dojo run by John Crease. As a it reward, as a reward for saving his life, and uh, yes. he is people. I guess corporations would just pay Terry Silver <laughs> to dump their waste in South America. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, get rid of this. And then that's how he, he was able to live in a mansion in Karate Kid 3.
3: Uh,
2: so he is like, oh, I don't know if we deserve Cobra Kai necessarily, what it is, what it is to us, or how much of a bizarre deep dive it is into a franchise that, as the movies went on, as the sequels went on, talking about Karate Kid here, yeah, they became... The, you know, the quality lessened, they became more forgettable. They're certainly not as iconic as, say, like the first and maybe even the second. Yeah. Um, but they're still pulling these characters from right. it. goddamn And God matters. damn it, we're getting so excited about it. Because all roads lead to Hillary Swank. It's like if they can bring <laughs> right. Terry Silver back, right. then they can bring back Swank from the next Karate Kid.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, because yeah, Karate Kid 3 is a bonkers movie. Uh, I think I mentioned because, uh, didn't we both see it for the first time only in recent years? Um, I had never seen it in its entirety. Uh, and I think it's 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 terrible to me. It's one of those movies that's kind of weird because it's like, even though it's the same director of the first two, it doesn't seem like the same director because it, it doesn't even look like it's shot as well. And it just it feels weird and off, but it's so goofy. And I understand that people kind of love it with nostalgia and maybe because of the goofiness. But, you know, Cobra Kai is a great show that embraces everything about the Karate Kid, which includes like the innate sort of cheesiness in a really... You know, heart like they they earnest, like they have fun with it and they know that they can be a little campy and will go with it because it's part of that world. But Karate Kid 3 is like a next level of like goofiness with the toxic waste and the Terry Silver. and, and Minas- they're, they're, <laughs> It's a
2: little more heightened
3: yeah. than the other two movies. When, if, if you step back from the other
2: two movies, especially part two, yeah, where Daniel, like people's lives are literally being threatened and right. it's, you know, you're like, <laughs> okay, this is probably gone as far as it should go. Right. right. Stakes-wise, it's still a little out there at this point. Three, I didn't hate all of three. I thought three had some some interesting elements to
3: it. It just was not good.
2: This is what I feel. I feel like uh, three is the equivalent of what would later become Ocean's 13, which is like, they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Go back to what the first one was. (laughs) Take it back to Vegas. They're robbing another casino. (laughs) Uh, It's just a different villain. And so... They're kind of like, go back to the valley. He's in the tournament. There's a new villain. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah. but there was, you know, there's a spin on it because even, and then they do the Superman three thing, which is like, you know, dark Daniel, which yes. is like yes. the rift between him and Miyagi and, you know, being played. <laughs> uh, but anyway, t- all of this is to say Thomas Ian Griffith, like as was teased in the yeah. f- season three finale yep. of Cobra Kai is returning uh is coming back to the fold is going to assume you know we assume he was the one john Kreese was talking to on the telephone uh the telephone what the fuck how old am i anyway (laughs) you rang him
3: you rang him up (laughs) on the blower
2: yeah as my uh my grandmother used to call it the diverter i don't know why that where that came from so um yeah, he's coming back. And uh, this is also a great time to tell everyone, uh, watch Cobra Kai. All of it is now available on Netflix. That's not our official recommendation this week, but, you know, we both like it a lot.
3: But yeah, and it's I mean, it's got quite a following. And it is funny. I think they they, they also have the they, they get to have their cake and eat it, too, because, you know, I know a lot of young people are very into Cobra Kai and probably never watch those Karate Kid movies. Um, And yet then they can also appeal to the oldies like us by every season, bringing back these actors from the franchise. That's the thing. It's like,
2: uh, well, you know, having seen nobody in the theater, I know that Michael Ironside could come back at some point. um, (laughs) Because I just saw him acting. So he's still doing that, but uh, I don't know. I don't, wouldn't even know how you would. What's an entry point for anyone who hasn't seen any of the old karate kid movies leaping into this series.
3: I mean I think they give it to you enough. They give you enough like the just I mean it it, it worked. I mean just like hey this guy you know can't can't move beyond uh, what he lost as a kid uh and, I mean uh, they do
2: talk about the past a lot so it's not like I mean, there's a million
3: flashbacks. Well
2: um, I do Yeah. I do wonder if there's somebody like who is completely unaware of the old movies and they're like, like <laughs>
3: what? When are we getting the flashback episodes? You know? <laughs> right. Well, they, they did great casting on these actors to play them as young people in the 80s. <laughs> it's dead on. Um, I uh, What you said about like all roads leading to swank. Uh, I was like, okay. Cause yeah, uh, again, I guess we're, you know spoilers for <laughs> for Kai so far because season two ended with a huge tease for Ali, Elizabeth Shue and she came back in season three and then season three ended with a huge tease for Terry Silver and now Thomasine Griffiths back in uh, season four, so if they do that, uh, you know there is another <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. Well, a- the, the the most
2: interesting thing is like how they would bring her back because uh, the only character that was a connective tissue between Hillary Swank's character and the franchise itself was Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not like you know John Kreese knows Terry, so that that works, sure. and everyone knows Allie, so that works, but nobody knows. I can't remember Hillary Swank's character. Julie.
3: Julie Pierce. Julie um, Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> nobody
2: knows Julie.
3: Or they do. They they have two route, routes they can take. They can do the Aunt Julie's coming over. We knew her the whole time. We never mentioned her. Uh, or they do the Miss Maggie had another student after you and either never talked about it or you knew a little bit about her, but you never met her. uh Uh, basically the the, they go
2: the route of she's
3: been watching
2: what's going on from the shadows because she knows all about you guys because of mr miyagi you just don't know anything about her
3: right right there you go all
2: right uh let's move on from cobra kai which is a series you guys should watch
3: and Mm -hmm. uh i think a lot of people are we think probably we think because netflix (laughs) we never know but it seems like cobra kai is a big hit for them Okay,
2: uh, Jupiter's Legacy, a movie, uh, show, <laughs> a series that we were talking about last week, just last week, or the week before? Uh, I
3: want to say it was two weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. Yeah.
2: Uh, during a larger conversation about Netflix, uh, is gone after one season, um, and Eric pointed out today this, I I, I guess I predicted that, Yes. but uh, only because I think in my brain, when I'm trying to remember now, uh, the lack of hype going into it, and I think I brought up when our, as part of our conversation was like, like... For example, how many people know this show is launching tomorrow?
3: Right. Like right. It, it, it's
2: just one of 20 new shows this month with no, uh, you know, real buzz about it. Like Netflix smugly since the beginning. And at one point it worked toward their favor. Mm-hmm. But they are so averse to hype. They are so averse to Long lead-outs. Now, that's not... Uh, again, there's exception to every rule. This isn't 100% the case because there are some movies coming this summer that they have told us are coming. Like, you know, we we know like four or five of their Netflix original films that are coming out this summer. We knew Army of the Dead was coming. We knew certain things are coming.
3: And I actually, I guess I'll say, I think solidifying that Cobra Kai is a big deal for them is that Terry Silver teaser because they do the same thing with Stranger Things. It's one of the rare shows that they tease out like it's a big deal, you know? Yeah. And Cause like, everything well,
2: else yep. you'll learn
3: about it when they
2: tell everyone, which Four is usually like two <laughs> weeks ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, the third Wednesday of every month is when you'll find what's coming on Netflix the very next month, you right. know? Right. So you've got a week and a half of lead time until that month. And you still don't even know what everything is because trailer, the trailers won't even be available for another few weeks. For yeah. a lot of the properties.
3: It's so, very strange.
2: Anyway, Jupiter's legacy is gone to really, I think, no one's surprise. I think the most biggest surprise today came from the fact that people learned it cost $200 million to make that first season.
3: Which makes it the bigger... Okay, well, a couple things, yeah. That's a big surprise, which also solidifies why it's not a surprise it got canceled. Uh, the thing is, is that this is an interesting one, though, because they signed a huge deal with Mark Miller, uh, you know, to adapt his Miller world of super characters. Uh, and, you know, Mark Miller has had success with adaptations in the past uh, wanted and uh, Kingsman most notable. Um, and he, and, you know, he wrote the comic book civil war more, you know, Captain America civil War is based on, even though it's loosely, uh, but that's not one of his IP, but they made this huge deal with him. And now it turns out they spent $200 million on the first show so it's a strange thing because um, yes, they did announce another show. They're doing a live action adaptation of his show of his comic book Super Crooks, but it seems like such a funny pivot because they tried to spin it like, oh, well the the universe will continue and it'll do as a part of a you know expanded universe, but there won't be a second season of Jupiter's Legacy. It's like okay, well, if Jupiter's Legacy, which ended on a giant success.
2: cliffhanger, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah.
3: It's, it's, I just don't understand
2: okay, Netflix has always overpaid for everything. That's been part of their, that's mm-hmm. been in their DNA, the company's DNA since the beginning. Yep. It started out, I I assume, to attract creators and, you know, people. Yeah, to, to, to get venture
3: and at the time Kevin Spacey. To big
2: names to streaming, which was a new thing. Like, what the fuck is this? Well, how about we pay you four times what you usually get? And right. same goes for stand-up comedians and Adam Sandler and so on. Uh, they still overpay. Some of that has to do with also the fact that a lot of normal studio type deals for directors and actors and writers don't exist with the Netflix model, like residuals or points, or, you know, there's no box office that they're going to share. in. so they overpay for that. I just still can't imagine paying $200 million for a project and not telling anyone the fuck it's coming out. Like, (laughs) I don't understand like why there weren't bus stops and billboards or like TV commercials on just advertise on television uh, right. that this show is coming out they're so up their own ass about that and and also okay not only does that hurt them and you know restrict their ability to get the numbers they want to renew shows mm-hmm. but the binge model is doing that in its own right now that we've got Disney plus doing the weekly release model in the streaming mode, and we see how much chatter you get behind Mandalorian and the MCU shows. These binge models where things drop in a weekend, it's, it's uh, become, I feel like it's becoming a huge Achilles heel for Netflix's serialized shows. Like to it's the a- point where like now it is so hard to get a season two. It used to be like, Oh, things went seven, eight seasons. Oh, now things go four or five seasons. Now, if something gets a season two, it is. <laughs> It's a miracle. I always think back to early days of Netflix uh, junkets and something like House of Cards where pe- people would go to the junkets and the season has already been out because it's a binge yeah. model yeah. for two or, one or two months. Yeah. And you couldn't ask, they wouldn't allow you, the Netflix PR people wouldn't allow you to ask the cast spoilery questions.
3: Which is insanity.
2: Which is absolutely insane. (laughs) Yeah. You couldn't, like, they, they were so tight about that because the show wasn't, I guess the show wasn't out for other
0: audiences around the world
2: You know what I mean, like, but they were so afraid of spoilers, but in the ultimately, that just led to really awful, stupid interviews that right. like didn't hype the show up. So
3: it, it's a weird... they've been
2: really bad at this. Now, obviously, I say all this knowing that Netflix is a giant brand to the sure, point sure. where they are. Netflix is the brand. No one show is the brand.
3: Right, right. And that, the, you know, we were having this Twitter conversation today. You, know, you me, a bunch of other entertainment journalist but then some people were asking us questions and stuff and you know it's like it, it, there's this sort of its it's a false threat frankly of people because when you know people were asking us well why don't they want these hit shows to continue and you know their mercenary reason is they don't care once it stops bringing in new viewers and new subscribers which is usually by season three a show will have plateaued. Uh, and so then it has no more use for them. It's a totally mercenary thing because it's all about the algorithm. And, and that, that goes,
2: and what Eric just said goes for net, that goes for serialized specifically serialized genre shows Yeah, on network TV and cable TV as well, not just streaming, but it, the natural life of a serialized show is to go up and up until the third or fourth season right? plateau and then decline by season six, seven, you know,
3: Right. But whereas a network show might still see value and well, it's bringing enough enough ratings and has enough of a fan base to get us to add money each week to justify its existence. Netflix is like, well, we're not getting more subscribers or viewers from it. So that's it. Just cut it off. Uh, and, you know, they're just, just super, super mercenary about it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 uh, that's how they operate. And, but, but the thing is people go, well, don't they care about keeping viewers? I'm like, again, this only matters if you really are canceling Netflix. And yes, I, again, there's like Matt just said, there's exceptions to every rule. And of course, I'm sure some of you listening, uh, either maybe yourself or know someone, oh, I might've canceled Netflix because I wasn't watching enough on them, but that's not happening in any huge numbers. Uh, You know, it's just, it's just a part of everyone's lives that they have Netflix. So right now, it's kind of been a false thing that people say they're going to lose subscribers if they keep doing this, and maybe they will eventually, but right now that's not happening, uh, and not in any way that's actually making a difference. And will that change? We'll see um I don't know it's interesting though it's like I don't know if you saw I haven't I've not seen a single episode of Mayor of Winningham I uh Mayor of I, did this, I did I did I did the joke starring Mayor Winningham I, I did the joke of what I kept that's so funny I did that because I was talking on Twitter about mix, of making up mixing up that title Mayor of Easttown um but uh I haven't seen a single episode but it it crashed HBO Max like it you know it was too many people trying to get on at the same time to watch the finale uh and um and it, I'm like, you know, that's one of those things. It's almost like a positive thing, even though at the moment it's frustrating a bunch of people. It's like, wow. Wow. This show, like WandaVision did that. And now you're telling me Mare of Weestown is, you know, crashing. Like so many people are trying to watch it. And there's value in that. And Netflix is kind of, again, it's all I know right now to say like Netflix is losing this battle because when they have, you know, more subscribers than any of the other services. But in the very long run, I wonder how much they might look at this and be like, wow. Yeah, we, we don't get the attention except for a very small handful of shows. Bridgerton seems to be the like the most recent legit hit that we can kind of sense we have to just believe, but it does seem genuine that Bridgerton was a giant deal for them. But that's like one out of every 40 shows at this point, because they put out so many shows. Uh, it's it's a strange system they got going. I don't know. We'll see what happens. A strange the system
2: they got going. It's a strange world we live in, Eric. Sure, sure. Uh, as strange as Kevin Mayor Feige <laughs> saying that uh, Mayor of Easttown is very good, Eric. You should watch it. Also, uh, I, I will watch it. And it, It's one of those things because... Uh, yeah, I'm fine with it being one season. It's a, it, again, It's also not one of the previous type of HBO shows, uh, mystery crime drama shows like Sharp Objects or Big Little Lies or The Undoing that was based on a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, uh, even though that didn't stop them from doing a season two of Big Little Lies because there was no second book. They just did right. a second season. This one wasn't. So it could go on uh, if they wanted to continue the life. Mayor of
3: Westtown.
2: Um, Who
3: knows? Oh, look, who knows? I mean, the leftovers was based on a single book that they told the season. They told the story, and and the 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 uh, the better
2: better seasons came after they went away from the book. So, um, but yeah, I'm fine with it being one and done. But also, wouldn't mind if it continued. So, who knows? Uh, I I started saying uh, briefly. uh, Kevin Feige mentioned in an interview. Um this week. Who was he talking to? Who knows? Oh, oh is that
3: really, It was Rolling Stone. and that, it, Amusingly, Rolling Stone had a oral history of WandaVision. Just amusingly, because oral histories are usually like an anniversary or like a look back, but now we're like an oral history of something that we watched a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, it wasn't you know, like the 10th
2: anniversary of WandaVision. It was the the 10th week anniversary of WandaVision. Right? <laughs> Remember so, January? Uh, but he was just basically, it's, just, it's an interesting factoid, which is like Uh, he got the idea for the title WandaVision from the Spike Lee film Black Klansman. And he was like, I remember thinking, how cool is that? They just mushed those two words together and the audience just accepts it as a title. So I thank Spike Lee for making Black Klansman. I know that's the weirdest connection ever, but that's how it came about. And Mm -hmm. all I uh, I don't fall into the weird pockets of toxic fandom that Eric sometimes does on Twitter because I don't (laughs) look at Responses to news stories, and I don't read the comments of articles. So. I only know when people are weirdly mad about things if sometimes if I see Eric tweet about it. So sure. when I hear it, see Eric tweeting like people getting upset over this, I'm like they are. So that was my reaction today where uh, people are getting upset over this Eric? Why?
3: What what's happening? I don't know. Because the internet's stupid and because people I mean lo- we don't need to actually say any more than that. <laughs> right. We can end the conversation. <laughs> it's like this weird thing like it's just this thing because Kevin Feige was trending over this cuz it was like what an idiot or, or there was this weird, there was this weird projection onto it. Like, oh, he thinks he's so smart and clever, even though he didn't, like he, and here's the other thing that I really hate that's so disingenuous about the way things are presented, but also how they're accepted, which is, yeah. And this goes way back. And I've ranted about this before Matt, Matt with you about like, when we, whenever we put like, whenever you see something that's like so-and-so announces or reveals. And what that usually means is someone asked them a direct question and they answered it. It's not like Kevin Feige said, attention, attention. I'm going to tell you the story <laughs> of the WandaVision title. He was doing a fucking interview with Rolling Stone and they said, let's talk about the title of the show. Cause that's important. Why WandaVision? And he said, oh, I, and, and like, I think the one thing you left out is that he was at some like Academy event. He was at, at the, the AFI
2: t- uh, luncheon in 2018.
3: Yeah. Looking at all the titles and he was looking at that title of Black Klansman while they were working on WandaVision and didn't have a title for it yet. And just was like, oh, what if we just smash those words together? It is such an, like, he is telling it to me. Again, I understand you can't read tone either way. Like, you have to assume tone when you're reading. Uh, But to me, it's, he's telling it very anecdotally. And which I think is underlined by him saying, I know that's the weirdest connection. Uh, You know, it's him saying, I know that's kind of a silly thing. But also, Matt, it's just like, people are like, they're both, both saying like, oh, he's, he thinks he's so smart and clever, but they're also saying stuff like, that's the only thing he took away from Black Klansmen when he said nothing about what he actually thought of the movie or his quality. He was saying, I looked at a list of names and that name jumped I out. I don't like, know,
2: Eric. He sounds like a smug piece of shit to me. It's
3: so stupid. And this is not also me saying, no one can ever criticize <laughs> Kevin Feige. It's more about just this thing we do well, uh, on the internet. It, it does and- sound
2: like this was a bunch of, DC fans on honestly it sounds like a bunch of DC fans no, like reaching them, reaching for something to it wasn't all DC Kevin fans some of it them are out.
3: like oh Kevin Feige shouldn't do interviews cuz he just puts his foot in his mouth I'm like that's guys ah. right.
2: ah. i i mean uh if we really want to put our foot in our mouth, we could talk about Ellie Kemper being crowned the KKK queen of 1999 or whatever the fuck that <laughs> was about.
3: Well, that was the whole weird thing. Oh, uh, she wasn't. I should. She wasn't the KKK queen, but it was still weird and strange. Uh, but I will say that uh, the best part of that oral history a good article and you know about a show I like, um, a show I love actually. But uh, finding out that Elizabeth Olsen uh, loves a very Brady sequel. Uh she's a big fan (laughs) of who
2: wouldn't love that movie, Eric. I would (laughs) be more surprised (laughs) if someone said, I hate that movie. There
3: are some people, there's some people who like the first one. Like I understand liking the first one more, but there's some people who are like, oh, the first one's good, but the second one sucks but those are wrong people.
2: Those are, those are wrong people. and I don't even
3: think they exist, <laughs> but thankfully Elizabeth Olsen's not one of them.
2: So. Tell me their names. Who name one person who thinks that movie sucks. <laughs> well, I don't I'll, believe I'll, you. we'll find out. I'll
3: talk to you off, off the air. But... Oh, goodness. Okay.
2: Um, so uh, we've got actually two movies in the main event. We have two so let's, movies. Let's barrel through. I,
3: I would hope we wouldn't go as long on these uh, mostly
2: for the Too fact late, that... you know, me, I'm news guy. I mean, <laughs> over here saying words like telephone.
3: No, no. I'm just saying like we, when we get to the two main event movies, uh, you know, these are very fresh movies, uh, fresh, hip. No, they're very new movies that, I don't know about you, Matt, but I wasn't taking any notes while I was watching them in the theater. No, I wasn't. Uh, I so, wasn't. So we're not going to uh, go I, like as moment by moment on the actually No,
2: we're not going to go moment by moment. And also I wrote down a few Spiral thoughts uh, like a day or two after I saw the movie mm-hmm. and I don't know where they were. Like I sure. deleted the document. <laughs> so today, this afternoon, I was like, oh God, what was, what, would I, what did I want to say about Spiral. Um, so in the interest of time, then, uh, Ryan and Shane, Ryan wrote an email and Shane wrote in on Patreon. I will just save your, um, uh, messages for the next podcast, if you Let's don't see mind. That. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we'll skip because, past.
3: Because the next, we'll talk more about why, but on the next, next podcast might be very light on news due to scheduling. Uh, so That's yeah, true. We'll Eric's going
2: you. out of town next week. So we'll, uh, record a little earlier than usual and mm-hmm. might not even have a lot of news stories to talk about. And, uh, I mean, we can mention it right now, what our main event will be for next week. And uh, before we get into the good things to enjoy, next week we are doing a, a 90s dive into a cult classic that, depending on who you ask, is the cheesiest shit that was ever made or the best movie that was ever conceived. And it is the movie Hackers. Starring Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie and Matthew Lillard and Fisher Stevens and Lorraine Bracco. I'm just going to stop talking of, of the fucking movie and the guy who <laughs> like, played Tintin in the, the Crow <laughs> and whose name I don't remember. Uh, it is a movie that I really enjoy and I've seen way more than Eric. And Eric was telling me before the podcast today that he doesn't really have a big connection to that movie. I have a bigger one um, than he does. Uh, I I was not a hacker, uh, (laughs) but maybe I wanted to be. I don't know. Maybe I wanted to surf the web, cyberspace. Um,
0: I got to find...
2: I'm trying to think of the, the the sound drop I'll use for the Hackers episode next week. I got to find that, that one of... Oh, God, what's her
3: name from uh, Save the Last Dance? Um, Julia uh, Stiles. Julie Stiles, yeah. Julia Stiles playing the, the hacker. Oh, God, this it's show? so funny. It's so funny, that
2: clip. The yeah. 90s hacker. Okay, so we're going to be doing mm-hmm. Hackers, uh, a movie that... I do admit that it's um, not high cinema. Uh, You know, Scorsese would uh, would... Actually, Scorsese would, I think, would love hackers. It's it's in New York. Uh, <laughs> there's people being framed. Someone's a you know uh, the uh, the the main character did hard time. <laughs> right. So I on. think so. I think Scorsese would
3: be a huge Hackers fan. So we'll do yeah, Hackers sure. next week. Okay. Our good things uh, to enjoy. Which is, uh, which is on Cinemax or, or DirecTV. And if you don't have either of those, you can pretty much rent it everywhere. You would rent a movie digitally. I would hope
2: most of our listeners own this movie already. Sure, so sure. They can just open their or go to their shelf or open their drawer <laughs> and pull out a uh,
3: Blu-ray of it. What is your good thing to
2: enjoy this week, Eric?
3: Uh, I'm going to talk about how much I enjoyed uh, Bo Burnham Inside on uh, Netflix which uh, you know uh, uh, this is not under the radar really because it kind of took off this weekend a lot of people started tweeting about it uh, although it was kind of you know it's a little stealthy and it's like production well of course because he did it all at his home but they kind of announced it just a few weeks ago well, Netflix does it anyway as we talked about uh, but this was kind of a big deal because um you know, he's got a big following and that he did this special from quarantine. Uh, And I have an interesting history with Bro Burnham, which is that I don't have a lot of history with with him. I uh, saw the movie he directed, Eighth Grade, uh, that opened a couple years ago and freaking loved it. I think I named it my favorite movie of that year. But I had never seen his comedy. I didn't really know his history, like the YouTube stuff, like the fact that he was basically. Yeah, his,
2: so you hadn't heard any of his songs. You hadn't seen any and of his Zero specials. of
3: his songs. And that hasn't changed since. I oh, still wow. The, yeah. I still Eric, they're the, so good. Well, that's that's the word on the street. I will but, say this. You did see him on Parks and Rec. Um, Oh, He was in an episode
2: of Parks Parks and Rec
3: (laughs) Well then there's a third way of uh, Part of his work Because uh, Matt's telling me I saw Parks and Rec That had him on But yeah for me the only really way I knew him Was Eighth Grade which is what introduced me to him Read a lot about that movie Then I discovered oh he's a very popular person On the internet with the youth Um, And then uh, Of course he's in Promising Young Woman He has a major role in that film That's a really good movie and uh, so I saw him as an actor in that film, but had no prior history with his actual comedy. I kind of do remember reading, oh yeah, it does a lot of music and whatnot. But uh, yeah, you know, if you, you know, some of you I'm sure will have watched it by now. But if you haven't seen Bo Burnham inside, uh, it is a very interesting and unusual thing because he did it all during co- from quarantine at home. So of course, there's no audience; it's just him in a single room, uh, filmed over many months. And because of that, also, he's growing the quarantine beard and hair and he's getting more and more Jesus looking as it goes on. Uh, I found out this guy is a great songwriter of very clever and fun songs. And I was kind of really impressed that he did all this so close together that he was writing all this stuff. Um, and then, of course, people have mentioned a lot because it's very interesting that this is a very sort of introspective book. Um, uh, Almost genre bending. It's a comedy special, but it gets pretty intense and dramatic because he's basically kind of going through like the year we've all spent in quarantine and uh, kind of going a little crazy and uh, with a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, being uh, tra- trapped inside all the time. And I found it, uh, yeah, very poignant and funny. And I also say, I was like, oh yes, of course, I loved eighth grade. He's like a really good filmmaker. So he did all this himself. It was just him and a camera and just creatively, artistically, his approach. I was like, oh yeah, he directed a great movie and directing this kind of odd special from home. You see, this is a person who's a very talented filmmaker uh so uh it's like 90 minutes and i really dug it and the so, the songs are great and netflix should definitely get on releasing those songs uh for people. well it, i mean
2: that that was one of the things that broke him huge were his songs because uh he was successful also i don't even know how big this market is anymore but like comedy albums mm-hmm. because it was his stand up was so song based uh it, it you know it just worked you had the sort of a really interesting introduction to Bo Burnham just knowing him through eighth grade first mm-hmm. and uh almost the same way people watching Cobra Kai having never seen the previous <laughs> yes. the kid movies <laughs> but uh yeah so for most people it was like oh wow Bo Burnham directed this amazing movie we didn't know he could do that too because right because and, and I saw him-
3: people tweet that stuff but I was like who's this Bo Burnham guy
2: <laughs> who's Bo what kind of name is Bo um Words 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 is is really good. But yeah, he's got some great uh,
3: stuff. You can probably I don't even know. You can probably just listen to his songs on Spotify too. Yeah. He's uh, he's definitely um it's funny he makes a very funny reference to Weird Al in this special, but uh he definitely has some of his songs are reminiscent of like Weird Al originals. Like No, no, they they are stuff.
2: because I'm saying yeah. He doesn't do parody songs, but he right. is he has a very uh genius knack for wordplay. Yep, and for rhyming and for uh, yeah, he's just really good. He's uh much like uh, Weird Al. He is uh, a poet laureate, our, our country's poet laureate.
3: And yeah, you can watch it on. And Weird Al did a very nice tweet. About I, I do
2: wanted. To, I do want to watch Inside. I saw people tweeting about it this weekend, and I was like, I'm going to watch it this week. But uh, to date, I have not. But it will be remedied soon. Um, my good thing to enjoy this week. I don't even know I can watch it, but um, maybe you can Google that while I'm talking about it is a TV series so much like I recommended black summer last week which was a Netflix series that I wasn't aware got a second season and was so excited to learn because in the Netflix title drop that just happened last week that black summer season 2 was coming had no idea it was coming and now I've got like two weeks to prepare for it because they don't hype anything up uh, I didn't know this show had a third and final season coming. I thought it might have been two and done. It has had two seasons so far on FX. It is called Mr. In Between. I recommend this show to anyone who has a Justified sized hole in their life.
3: Hey, that's me. Yeah,
2: this show, of any show that has come out since Justified went off the air, reminds me the most of that show's tone and just swagger and style. And the way that uh, they just, you know, the Elmore Leonard type of of style. I don't even know how, uh, I know that more better wordsmiths have described uh, the way Elmore Leonard writes and writes his dialogue uh, before, uh, better than I ever can. But it's just basically a really uh, light conversational um, style of crime story that focuses on both... Mostly on criminals, but also on heroes, but also it doesn't make stupid people too stupid. It mm-hmm. makes even the stupidest people seem smart in their own way. Uh, everyone is really like, so Out of Sight is probably one of the most famous Elmore Leonard uh, properties, like turned into The Screen, which was a movie, not like Justified, which became a TV show, but like that movie is kind of the Elmore Leonard stuff. So Mr. In Between. I feel is like that. And it actually has a recurring character played by Damon Harriman, who was Dewey Crow on Justified, yes. who is an Australian in his own right, who is not playing an Australian on justified. This is an Australian show created by a guy named Scott Ryan, who also um, is the lead of the show. He plays a guy named Ray, who is a hitman, um, And it's basically just like his life, like bas- his life of like doing his, Uh, odd crimes and his kills mixed with his family life and trying to have a girlfriend and raising a young daughter and none of whom know about what he does. And I just think it's really fun and really well-made. And I was excited to learn that a a third and final season was coming that I guess was announced last May in the the midst of quarantine lockdown. And I I just didn't realize it had been renewed, but it's an FX show. So that means that you probably should be able to stream it at
3: some point place i don't know oh you, you come on matt fx on disney uh, plus hasn't worked disney plus no on the uh, other disney-owned streaming service hulu. fx on hulu fx on hulu that's their whole thing <laughs> i just thought that played like, devs. oh man john landgraf will be very sad i just thought that was only where devs live <laughs> no in America. all of the epic it is almost all the... no <laughs> no, no, almost everything. Uh, well, and we you say almost there, everything. And, Does that uh, mean it terriors. doesn't have Mister in between? It has in Mister in between. Okay. I they didn't have. Um, was it the Americans because it was on Amazon or something? You know, it had a previous deal. Uh, so there's a couple of random things missing. Uh, but uh, Mister in between is on FX on Hulu, uh, so you can watch it there. And I see that they have like three more episodes left to air. Uh, so or four more. Uh, so you can, uh, yeah, you can, you can what do you mean watch it's episodes episodes, Very short seasons too. So this is not a long, uh, ask of people. What do you mean? Four more episodes left there. Now I know what it's all about. Wait, you can't hear me. Uh, I can hear you. Um, oh, okay. That's what I'm seeing. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? I see four more episodes left there. Is that, or, is that only, uh, and if there was a weird tech glitch just now, sorry. All right. Uh, we're back
2: a little glitch there. Uh, It took me a few minutes. (laughs) I'm ashamed to say a little longer than uh, uh, you would think to realize (laughs) that the weird pauses in conversation were coming from Eric hearing me on a delay. So (laughs) that's why things during the end of the Mr. In-Between chat got uh, a little awkward and why he didn't respond right away. Well, actually I'll edit that part out. So I was (laughs) saying I dug Cruella. Uh, It was better than I thought it would be. I really wasn't actually anticipating much going into this movie but I wound up enjoying it a lot more than I thought it would. What about you,
3: Eric Goldman? And I was saying, uh, yeah, I was, I, there were some things in some of the trailers that made me hopeful, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, uh, holding my breath. Uh, there was certainly, uh, the chance it would just be nothing worthwhile at all, but I also very much enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, love the, you know, the style of it, the vibe of it. And I definitely think it was, uh, easily one of the most successful and interesting of the, uh, Disney sort of glut of taking their old uh, animated stuff and making live action versions of it.
2: I have, I have some, uh, and like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, this episode, that we're, uh, we're not going to be going through this movie beat by beat. We didn't take notes during it. We just have general overall thoughts sort of to talk about Cruella.
3: But spoiler uh, warning nonetheless.
2: Spoiler <laughs> warning nonetheless. I thought this was a amazing, fun, really fun performance movie for Emma Stone and for Emma Thompson, the two Emmas, yes. uh, playing Estella a.k.a. Cruella and Baroness von Hellman, respectively. And I am not, so uh, I've watched a lot of Disney movies. I've watched watched a lot of animated movies, having as many kids as I've had. Over the course of, you know, with their age ranges, I've watched a ton of them in the past 25 years. Now, 101 Dalmatians was never one that really made it, cracked into our regular rotation or playlist, uh, the original animated film, uh, Disney animated film, or the live action version from 96. Like, So I don't really have a strong uh, position or a strong background on 101 Dalmatians. Uh, I especially don't have any relationship to 102 Dalmatians. Sure. Um, so I kind of got gathered as I was going through this movie. I was like, okay, these two characters that she, you know, the thieves that sort of take her in. I'm like, okay, this is the 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 fatty and the skinny from the movies.
0: Uh um, <laughs> right?
2: it took me, a, I, I figured out just by context that uh, Roger was someone important <laughs> the, the, who right, gets right. fired because I'm like, why do we keep paying attention to him? And why do we care what happened to him afterward? And I was like, oh, he must be like the dad from <laughs> that that series or that movie. Uh, but one of the things Cruella made, and because I didn't have that connection, because I was going into this, Kind of like the people watching Cobra Kai who never watched the (laughs) Freddy Kid movies.
3: Uh, Corella is my Cobra Kai.
2: (laughs) This reminded me of what Tim Burton used to do where he would create basically original IPs. Like imagine, imagine doing that in this day and age, Eric, like doing a, doing Beetlejuice. Now it's not based on a book. It's not based on a previous movie or animated movie. It's not based on a graphic novel. Like he would just come up with these fucking movies. Like, imagine coming right. up with a fucking movie, Eric, in this day and age. What? And That's so
3: insanity.
2: I kind of enjoyed just watching Cruella as an original story, not based on anything. It was very easy in my mind to disconnect from that because I don't have yeah. a, a strong relationship to 101 Dalmatians at all. Like, I, you could tell me it was that Glenn Close played the same character in a movie, an older version of the character. But ah, I could easily, like, wipe that from my mind. Like, this is was just a different thing. The only gripe, the only gripe I have about this movie were the needle drops. Like I felt there was just Mm -hmm. too many songs and too many. I don't want to use the term low hanging fruit songs, but just too Mm -hmm. many common songs. Like I think sympathy for the devil should be retired from movies. Yes. Like it is overused. (laughs) Uh, It was never used better than it was at the end of interview with a vampire. Like that's how long (laughs) ago, like it was used greatly. Uh, and the fact that they actually merged at the end of Black Sabbath song, uh, they started, the, the end of the movie has the opening of Black Sabbath's The Wizard, Eric. And I was like, oh, cool. They're going to end this with The Wizard? Nope. They go right into Sympathy for the Devil. They go <laughs> into a different song. Um, so, and especially like, it's the same sort of era as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So we got to hear Hush again. And we got to hear, um, was did they even use... Um, I know they use it a lot in movies. So I don't even remember if they used it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but what's that other stone song they used in this
3: um She's in Rainbows? They yeah, they used the one that was in Legion that's also been in that commercial that's right, recently. That's right. Yeah, it's been in Not a the lot. one that's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, She's
2: a Rainbow. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I just felt like there were it was song after song after song. I felt like I was watching the opening 10 minutes of Suicide Squad, to be honest. I
3: thought the exact... We are very, very similar so far in this movie because I also don't have much of a connection to 101 Dalmatians. I saw it as a kid. I actually had, uh, like, the... Uh, what's, what were those called? The Little Golden Books? I had a 101 yeah, yeah. Dalmatian book, but it was just... It's just something I had. It wasn't because that was my favorite. I guess maybe I did like dogs, so maybe that was the thing. I never saw the Glenn Close movies, either of them. Um and so, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't. I love a lot of Disney animated movies, but this is not one I had a big connection to. Um, it's it's um, a funny thing, and this was another thing I sort of saw people having a Twitter debate about the other day. Which is, yes, it is. No matter what, of course, I agree. It's it's unfortunate we're in an era where it's very hard to get anything greenlit, especially at like a large budget, especially now at a theatrical level, not based on an existing IP. But there is also a fact of, like, that is kind of where we are, both with the studio system, but also the audiences, because people were saying, oh, I like Cruella, but I wish it wasn't Cruella, and it brought back the ar- argument people were making about Joker, and it's like, but would people have n- would people have gone to see Joker if it was just, like, about a schmo? Like, um, and, you know, people were making the comparison of, uh, what was the Joaquin Phoenix movie, um, um, I'll Never Leave You, what was Damn title of that one! Um, oh, uh, yeah, I know what you. T- I know what you're saying. Damn! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> you, you damn talk movie. and I'll look it up. Uh, you were never really here. I'm, that yeah. was it. And it's like you know, it's like there's these movies that are gonna just destined to be tiny little movies. And if someone made a similar like Cruella idea, like oh, these t- sort of warring people in right now, and I know that's funny to say when Devil Wears Prada was not ancient history but it was early you know mid to the aughts uh it probably wouldn't it certainly wouldn't get this big release um so it be, does become like are you doing something fun with this existing IP and I think Cruella just did a really fun thing with it uh they're both great um and we can talk about how yes they ultimately like soften Corella DeVille from she is not a a puppy killer um but then they kind of make I think they the way they kind of balanced that was by having Emma Thompson's character be an awful, awful person um, in like a kind of impressive way. And, uh, but I also agree with you in the criticism that um, I, nothing wrong with like there being needle drops and having a lot of music from the era, but this was extremely ex- and I also thought of the Suicide Squad first few minutes where it's just like, whoa, like we can back off a little bit here. Um, and it was very purposeful. I mean, I, I talked to Craig Glepsey, uh, the director, you know, for the movie. And I know he's like, this was like from the beginning, they knew they were going to do this. Um, I do think it could have been a little less just a temporary or, little <laughs> or, Or
2: you go the Wes Anderson route, which is like you play Stone songs or songs by the Who or the Knack or like stuff like that. But not the not the hits. Right. right. Not the ones people knows, know that have also been in movies many times before. And you also don't visit what uh, some people call the Nora Ephron uh, film school of of putting songs to movies, which is like have something be too on the nose for the scene. You know, like if uh, a witch walks into a, a, a scene, you don't play black magic woman.
4: Right, it's right. like you
2: don't ha- it doesn't have to be explain the scene to you. And Cruella did that a couple times. And it was <laughs> yeah. a little like, eh, because honestly, if we're talking about the first 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes of this was kind of not aside from the fact that they both use songs was kind of not like Suicide Squad, because the first handful of songs, I didn't know that well. I was like, oh, right. these are good. I like hearing songs of the era. Uh, these aren't like th- these are B-sides, if not C C-tracks. <laughs> uh and that works but once they started getting into the more like heavily used uh, material it was it was like ah it's better than that so yeah the idea that i'm also somebody with prequels that has no i don't have a need to connect this cruella to glenn close's cruella or the cruella sure. from the animated movie they're like oh how does she become such a villain i'm like Who's to say she does? This is just yes. a completely different take. This yes. Cruella has a different future. This is multiverse Cruella. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't need to line up. You know the the <laughs> oh I, I, I a cat cameo. Yes. No one listening can see that, but I saw a little cat head poke in. Hello. <laughs> now I'm distracted. Now this is all gonna welcome to Cat Ella. <laughs> so you yes, wanted attention. Um. Yeah. Uh. But it also reminded me of the more I sort of stepped back while watching from this movie and trying to, you know, and, and realizing I didn't need to connect it to anything else. I could just watch it as a story. Um, I was like, Oh, this is like what it was like watching the old Tim Burton movies. And someone on Twitter uh, a, a little while ago actually said something about like, do we think that Tim Burton hasn't been able to be relevant or make anything sort of substantial in his later career like he did in his his 80s and 90s career mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he set a template that people have now imitated so much it's almost like it's not quite the same as your john carter talk from last week but like right. uh because he was the first to make that safe slash scary aesthetic where yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it could be ghoulish and scary but also still Cartoon-y. safe
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah like but now that it's been replicated so much that, like, people can't recognize the original when it happens anymore. But
3: yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot of factors I think that go into that. I mean, you know, and I I can pick out things I've really liked of his in the past few years. Um, I, I really liked them. Um, uh, why am I blanking on names tonight? Uh, barber, the barber shop, the, the- Sweeney, Todd. Sweeney Todd.
2: Which, which you mean the, the mean the two characters who look like Cruella in this movie?
3: Yes, Sweeney Todd, and I liked uh, his his full length Frank and Weenie. Uh, but going back to Cruella, um, yeah, I think that, totally with you about it. You know, just just enjoy the as It's like it's a different version. Like we can accept different versions of comic characters, and that brings me to my other rant of this episode, along with the Kevin Feige one. Which was that goddamn clip of Oh yeah, her yeah, mom yeah. So died. people were like making fun
2: uh because it was available on Disney Plus as well. Uh Disney people Plus people can rip it immediately. Remind me again, Disney Plus Premiere Pre- Access. Premier Access. I keep mm-hmm. wanting to say premium. Okay. Disney Plus premiere access. People were like, look how look at the opening in this movie. Look how Corella's mom died. And it was the Dalmatians knocking the mom over into the mm-hmm. water. They don't uh, obviously, you know, looking at anything, you know, just plucked out and given no context. It looks absurd. The movie has a very distinct, absurd look to it anyhow. But then like it it completely ignores the twist, which comes toward in the the third act of the movie, which is like Emma Thompson's character would be revealed to have had a dog whistle in her mouth. And she was sicking the dogs on the woman. Right. it was more and- it was a murder. It was it wasn't like uh you know, mishap with with dalmatians. It was But uh,
3: also, people are making this huge assumption cuz like, oh, oh, okay, so dalmatians killed her mom and that's why she wants to kill dalmatians, which even before the twist is not a fact in the movie. She does not become an adult and be like I will kill dalmatians. Yeah, she didn't grow up hating mom. dogs or dalmatians
2: <laughs> in particular,
3: right? Yeah. So, it was just like that was what drove me crazy and this is just like a little mini rant about like, oh, just like you know where we are right now and you know first of all it's the danger of putting out a movie on streaming where it's like it can like you know people will instantly go to like the gif instead of the discussion but also out of context and people like you know like liking to kind of make a moment with these things but it's like no you're you're first of all yeah totally you don't even understand what this movie is doing like right after that there's a funny voiceover line about like you know killing her mother that's you know sort of darkly comic line um, and then the fact that yeah you're you're making a huge plot assumption that is just factually incorrect. Like that is not she, the movie does not say this is why she grows up to want to hate. To, this is why she grows up to hate dogs and hate Dalmatians. That just never happens in the film. Uh So that just pissed me off. But what can you do? That's gonna happen.
2: What can you do, Eric? Mm-hmm. Um, it, in my head when I was watching this movie, I was like, I feel like I haven't seen Emma Stone in forever, and it turned out. When I went to her filmography, I was kind of like, oh, that's a lie. I have actually been sort of keeping it. I felt like I had a big Emma Stone gap. And it turns out I didn't except for La La Land, which I never saw. But other than that, like I watched Maniac, which was like the the uh, Netflix miniseries she did in 2018. I've seen both crude films, which she did her voice. Uh, there was something else where... Uh, favor Favourite? Also- uh, yes. Favorite? I uh, well, maybe I didn't see the favorite, but whatever she did. That's the one that, I have so. seen.
3: I, um, I haven't seen uh maniac or the crude movies, but I've seen, uh, I did see the favorite, which is great. Um, and shares. Um, was it the costume designer? Someone one of the people behind the seat production designer, I think worked on the favorite. Yeah. I didn't
2: see, oh, but I did see Zombieland double tap, you know? Oh, yeah. So I have seen her recently. I just felt like I hadn't. Anyway, this was a great role for her. Uh, it's got uh, so the movie has I already mentioned Emma Thompson, uh, a fun role for her as well. Mark Strong. It's got you know, um, you know, typically, obviously, British cast. But one thing that amused me, and something you don't see very often, except obviously the lead of this movie. I get that Emma Stone's doing an accent, but you don't see it usually in supporting cast. And Paul Walter Hauser actually Cobra getting Robert Yeah, Paul Walter Hauser uh, didn't come back for season three, but yeah, you know, was there for- previous to
3: that? Probably because he was fel- he was probably filming this during season three. But uh, yeah, uh, he was also in uh, Black Klansman, Eric. Um, yep. so, and he was in um I, Tanya, which was Craig Gulepsey's, uh previous movie. So they'd already worked together on that. Yes, he actually
2: uh, played uh, Sean Eckhart, who was the, the bodyguard of Jeff Galooly. So... Uh, yeah, he gets to play the Brit. And not only does he play a Brit, he plays a Brit with like a huge accent. Like he's talking whole <laughs> yeah. time you know? So he gets to really put on accent. The other guy was Joel Fry, who I didn't know, but so I had to look him up and he was on actually in a few episodes of Game of Thrones over during Daenerys', uh Meereen-like arc. Okay. And um, I don't know anyone else. I think, um, well- uh, who, uh kirby uh kirby howell baptiste good place yeah yeah she was on the good place uh, uh she played anita darling who was sort of the gossip columnist uh friend of
3: hers and um i i assume that the, only... the, the mom from the 101 dalmatians <laughs> who is that's her character it is yeah, yeah. Like that's the whole uh, see, thing. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't
2: know that with, with, know that, so with
3: she the, uh, she with them both getting the Dalmatians at the end. It's like, oh, they're destined to fall in love uh with their their two Dalmatians, uh with the, each other, Roger and Anita. Her and Roger? Yes. Okay, got it, got
2: it. I didn't realize she was the mom. Okay. Uh yeah, like I said, like I I I'm not gonna pick up on every single like 101 Dalmatians Easter egg here. Uh, right. I really, it was just it, like the John thing was so odd to me. There was like, why do we care about the guy who keeps just walking into a room? I have no idea. Um, yeah. I just like the look of it. I, You know, oh, this is the other thought. And then we can wrap this up and, unless you have something else to say, which is that this was also a way better sequel than the actual sequel to Now You See Me. Like this was like a really fun, it wasn't a heist movie. But it was sort of a con movie with all of the stuff she was doing to the Baroness and uh, uh, her her public stunts and stuff like that. Um, so I re- I like that aspect of it too, where she was sort of the uh, the the street artist uh, prankster slash um, yeah, just con artist with her with her uh, secret team.
3: Yep. Uh, no, I, I really like this movie too, and I guess it I, I think a fundamental like dividing line is for people will be the like. Can you accept that this is their own version of Corella? Because, you know, a question a lot of people have going in is like, are we supposed to sympathize with a woman who wants to like skin dogs? And are we going to get some sympathetic backstory for someone who ends up skinning dogs? And this movie basically ends in a way that it's like, no, she, she isn't that person. So then you go, well, did they ruin Corella Deville by not having her be that? And I'm like, no, to me, it's just a different version. It's totally fine. Um, I do think they had their cake and ate it too with Emma Thompson's character because not only is it revealed that she maliciously (laughs) murdered her mother or her adoptive mother, as it turns out, um, with the dog whistle but then it's like she's just like this evil person I mean, it's very funny when she basically is like you'll have to be more specific about who she murdered um, and so it's like she is like an awful evil like multi murdering person uh, tried to have her baby killed uh, you know like yeah, yeah. the baby kill. so it's like it's it's, it's I, I thought that like I thought that was really fun and I think it, it's an interesting movie because on one hand yes you can say they soften Cruella de Vil, but I actually think it's for a Disney branded movie it's fairly dark like as far as like some of the stuff that happens like with Emma Thompson's character and around that um also by the way it's funny that they they're like oh Grill Devil doesn't smoke in this movie uh but there's a lot of drinking casual drinking for a Disney movie <laughs> like she's walking around the store uh chugging that bottle and she gets drunk and uh, changes the window uh anyway though yeah the movie looks great uh, the style of it is great her costumes are great um, I know there's been some complaints about it being over long, which I guess I agree, cursory wise. Like, yeah, it could be it could be a little shorter, but it didn't really bother me. I wasn't like, uh. Um, and you know, you and I have talked a lot about length of movies and. When, you know, it's just like did it feel right and this movie yeah it could be a little shorter but i didn't think it was like excessively like uh, like we just talked about army of the dead where I, we both agreed like hey you could just cut off a half hour of that movie easy uh and this movie yeah maybe trim a few minutes but um it, a it's lot a of look, that and a, a lot move, of the, the tripping of army of the dead just comes from cutting
2: a minute out of every scene
3: <laughs> right right like his
2: scenes have so much dialogue that don't matter and or are repetitive that you could cut it that way and like not even lose that much um I will say that, um, yeah, and the fact that, like, yeah, so it, it also speaks to how much, you know, you know, dog culture and, like, if they kill a dog in this movie, I'm out. Uh, if they, yeah. if, so the worst crime, that you know, this is somebody who mur- wants to murder dogs, which people will argue makes them hate her more than somebody who wants to kill their baby and or their, someone's mother or, you know, right. like, if you kill the dog, I'm out. So uh, you could say, like, on paper, Yes, Baroness is a darker character than uh, who the, 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 you know, what the common version of Cruella is.
3: Yeah. Because
2: uh, she's killing human beings and not dogs. But uh, many people would disagree with but, that. But, but when it comes to movies. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. also, um, they, and they do tease the evil turn here. So, like, yeah. by the end, the movie is a little long. But, you know, she shifts back to, her, to Estella from mm-hmm. Cruella. So we do get a glimpse of Cruella. She yes. just kind of gets snapped out of it when she's actually somebody tries to kill her. But uh, I love a tight 90. We've talked about how a tight 90 sure. is a great thing. Not every movie needs to be that, but I'll tell you what really works, what fucking works like Gangbusters with a tight 90, those Quiet Place movies. Tight 90s. <laughs> yes. Kaczynski can direct the fuck out of a tight 90 movie. Yeah. They're so good. I,
3: I mean, we're not talking they're about
2: right. it. It's not part of the main event, but I saw Quiet Place 2 uh, also this weekend, and that was excellent.
3: We can talk about it soon if we wish.
2: Okay. Um, moving on to Spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, the Book of Saw. Maybe capping off. We'll see if this is the last Saw movie. It didn't do great. Mm-hmm. It did push the franchise over a billion dollars, though. With this yeah. movie, the Saw franchise officially made over a billion dollars, which is you know, still great considering these movies still aren't made for that much money. Right. This one is probably made from the most money in a long time. I don't know. Jigsaw maybe had a budget too. Um, but Spiral from the book of Saw, man, I wanted this to be so much better than it was. I, and, and I know I, I went into this also fully acknowledging, like we have during our Saw recaps, that it, 60 to 70% of the saw movies aren't good anyway, <laughs> like, right? right. <laughs> it's a it's a movie, it's a franchise that you and I both enjoy because we really still as as many times in a row as we can see like a not great movie, we still really like the concept. I kind of see the purge in that same way, which is like mm-hmm. yeah, some of the purge movies may not be up to stuff or they may be just okay, but I still always am invested in the concept and to see where it goes. And Uh, Jigsaw, I didn't think was great at all, but I was still really excited about Spiral. What are they going to do? And then what they did was kind of underwhelming. And the biggest thing, maybe we could talk about this up top, full spoilers for Spiral from the book of Saw. Sure. Which is that it really had a very predictable twist. Mm -hmm. And that may have been, for me, the most upsetting thing. Now, I understand that you don't want to keep repeating the same Saw twist because Jigsaw, the last Saw movie, repeated two of the biggest yeah. Saw.
3: To stylists. a comical extent, they decided to retcon on a series that's done a million retcons.
2: So what, uh, not only, so with Jigsaw, we got The Secret Apprentice, which was mm-hmm. a huge twist in the Saw franchise. Uh, and the what you're seeing is not happening at the time you think you're seeing it. Right so they used both of those in jigsaw mm-hmm. now, I don't want them to repeat that twist for this movie, obviously, they just did it, and arguably they just did it in a way that they can't do it again, like you can't do that they 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 played their last cards with both of those twists, right. But And I also acknowledge that it's hard to top those twists, because those twists during the franchise, not in Jigsaw, but previous to that.
3: Yeah, like Saw 2 and you know, stuff. They and were really
2: good. Those yeah. movies have some amazing twists, like Saw uh, 2, 3, and 4. So we're talking about yep. the other ones Darren Lynn Boozman directed, mm-hmm. like the good, the good Saw movies from the first yes. half of the franchise.
0: Peak uh, Saw
2: I understand that it's hard to top those twists, but I also felt like this movie was like, you know what? We can't repeat them. We can't top them. We're not really even going to try. Like I didn't feel like they were trying to.
3: Yeah. Same here. And it was weird. So it is funny. Like, you know, we've talked a little bit about this movie. I think I might've liked it a little more than you, but I also do agree with you that it just seemed like a missed opportunity uh, because if you're bringing it back again, again, keep acknowledging that this is the second revival in the last, you know, Jigsaw was four years ago. Um, If it weren't for the pandemic, it would have only been three years apart. So it's not like this massive break. There was a much longer break between uh, Saw 3D or the final chapter and Jigsaw, but still another attempt at kind of a a reboot. Again, we've talked about the malleability of that word, an incontinuity reboot. Um, But it just seems like, yeah, you're bringing it back, but you've got these much bigger actors, you know, Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson starring in it. Um, So it's kind of makes it a different feel Um, but you're bringing back the director who did the ones that were kind of the most popular ones of the series, uh, that you just want something, something different, something to pop. And I know that's that, what I'm saying is like, it's that, uh, that, that magic of different, but the same, because you, you know, something different, but the same can have that old familiar feel. And yeah, it's that, that twist was extremely disappointing because, you know, let's just talk about the fact that it's like, it is really stupid that they ever, for an instant want us to believe that his partner uh uh william was it a shank 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 yeah (laughs) that he had died off camera in a series that is all about graphically killing people showing them getting kidnapped and graphically trying to get out of a situation they can't get out of that they're we're supposed to buy as the audience oh man they found his partner that's him look at the tattoo so so
2: yeah so if 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 you didn't realize uh, that something was off when he borrowed Chris Rock's uh, Detective Banks phone. Yeah. Which was just a weird scene. Didn't make sense. My phone's dead. Like, why write this scene? It, obviously it means something. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, the fact that this this copycat, this jigsaw copycat is out there killing cops, decides to kill his partner in a completely different way. No trap involved. Mm -hmm. No, nothing and we don't see it happen and we're supposed to think that oh that's him and that the killer just decided to murder him and skin him like that's not part of the mo
3: doesn't make any sense it's not the mo for the series and it's not even the mo for this killer it's not the mo for this killer we would have this means we're not being given a reason why this killer would target him and what it thinks what he has to have penance for it just doesn't, Eric, ima- doesn't okay it so
2: the 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 killer in the end it turns out to be uh the character played by max Minghella,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he's on handmaid's tale he was in a bunch of things anyway he's uh chris rock's detective banks new partner right he's uh the only one who will work with detective banks by the way can chris rock's character not transfer anywhere he's been 12 <laughs> years with these people who hate him right. everyone's the same like, everyone's the same, 12 years working in this... Pre- anyway, okay. So, he gets a new partner, the only one who believes in him. Uh, this guy, Eric, mm-hmm. his plan, he was going to get revenge on the cops that killed his parents. Like, uh, obviously the one who actually shot his 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 father. Yeah. But then also everyone else who was involved, which involved... The corrupt system. The corrupt system, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Marisol Nichols' character, like, everyone who was, like... Uh, like taking the law into their own hands and being vigilante and innocent people were dying back then. Mm -hmm. He decided he wasn't just going to be a killer killing cops. He was going to be, he was going to fucking go to cop school. Like he (laughs) he was going to become a cop. He was going to become a detective. Yes. He went through the trouble of becoming a cop. (laughs) So that three days into his job with with Banks, he's going to fake his (laughs) own death. (laughs) Like, <laughs> look he invested in an entire career he passed the detective's exam like pre- uh, you know, we uh, presumably he was a beat cop <laughs> he, he spent years right. getting to here so that he can fake out chris he could have just been a killer, Eric, <laughs> right. and the ending would have been the same, like trying to convince it just, it
3: just, Chris Rock's character no. to join him. Right, you Banks know what I mean? The like, no connection it wouldn't have been like known him for a few days, but otherwise it would have been, yeah. <laughs> that is very like, funny. He, he became a cop, so he, <laughs> Anyway. It's so that he could
2: completely kill himself. Like that character doesn't even exist. I mean, I get, I guess that the William Shank was the actual f- alias. Like he wasn't even a real person. Right. right. So he's killing a fake person. But anyway, it, does, it seems like three left turns to make one, right. It seems <laughs> so out of bounds. Um, okay. I want to call out one, uh, a few things, bullet pointing here. First of all, the first victim, the guy with the tongue dangling in the subway tunnel,
1: mm-hmm.
2: was um, uh, McMurray from Letterkenny, which is a show that you don't watch, but you mm-hmm. should. And uh, t- took me out of the movie right out of the gate because McMurray, uh, as Letterkenny fans know, McMurray a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, very, very funny character on the show. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's just one of those weird things seeing a Canadian actor pop up in a thing, and you know him very starkly from something else. Although, um,
3: all the Saw movies have been filmed in Canada. Um, I will say, uh, I, I quite enjoyed that opening death. I was like, ooh, this is fun. Saw's back. I, I'll uh, say this about the traps, though. Yeah. The finger trap
2: was a good trap.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that was a, uh, you know, if we're talking in the, the entire Saw franchise, like yeah. going back 20 years, uh, I think that stands up. That could be in a top 10. Pull, ripping your own fingers off... And you have to bite down to do it. Like you have to keep your, like Yes, <laughs> like that's, that's like, that's fucking hard to do. Uh, were these traps
3: too hard? I think they may have been, I don't know. Well, I th- but I guess we kind of learned they are, yeah. again, he's another cheater, but I guess they were too hard on purpose. Yeah. It is funny. Cause we, we start to get a recurring thing of these people almost free themselves and die, but then you kind of, it does by the end, you know, when he, when he basically is mad at banks for trying to save the guy who actually killed his dad it's like, oh, he he really didn't want... Unlike John Kramer, who wanted to give them a chance, he didn't really want to give them a chance, it sounds like. Well, certainly not that guy who killed his dad. He, he wanted him to die. He didn't want Banks to actually help him.
2: But Eric, Jigsaw never targeted cops.
3: <laughs> yes. You remember that line? I do remember. It was in the trailers, and I thought, that doesn't sound right. Will the movie justify it? It doesn't, I mean it's funny too, because they could have saved it with the, all I needed was an extra line about it's like, it, cause it's, it's an inherently a ridiculous line because cops were such a part of so many of these movies. Yes. You could say jigsaw didn't only target cops. That's the difference here. Right. I, it's like, he's Eric listen only Aaron. Lynn
2: Booseman was on the set every day and he directed <laughs> right. saw two and four where yes. the main person being forced to go through things as a cop. Yes. One was a good cop. And one was a bad cop.
3: Like, yes, <laughs> He was there. One, he didn't too much. change. It.
2: He didn't change the line. <laughs>
3: right, right. It was a bizarre line. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people involved with the previous movies were involved here. Uh, that, is a, that is a very strange.
2: Uh, so I, I feel like the end, like the Hello Zep ending, which not only involves the reveal of uh, Detective Shank as the Jigsaw copycat, but Samuel Jackson's there. I couldn't get the feel of what the torture trap was from the glimpses of him in the trailers and the footage we saw before the movie, it looked really cool. It looked like, Oh, he's on stilts. Is he going to rip his legs? Like it looked really uh, scary. And then when I, it was just, it was just draining his blood. I was like, Oh, that's lame. Anyway. (laughs) uh, The whole thing was the end, like the big ending, like dun, 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 like no, where he rigged it. So that when the SWAT team goes through the door, Samuel Jackson's forced like a puppet to raise the gun hand, yeah. and he knocked down. And Chris Rock is like, "No, I feel like that would have played better if we liked Samuel Jackson's character in that movie at all,
3: mm-hmm.
2: or if we felt like he and Zeke had a good relationship,
3: right, right, right.
2: Like if it was a fa- loving father son relationship, he wasn't. He was just a sort of a harsh." like crappy dad and they fell out. They didn't really see each other that much. I mean,
3: like, like, then he, you learn he's a,
2: you know, uh, and so I didn't feel like it was a big deal. Like it's yeah. warrant an ending like that.
3: They, they leaned heavily on it being Samuel L. Jackson. It's like, yes, you see, look, he obviously he cares about his son. He gets all, you know, he's furious when his son gets shot because no one would, you know, answer the distress call. But yeah, they have a very estranged relationship then they find then we find out he was corrupt too. So a lot is stacked against him. And they the only reason to care about him really is it's Sam L. Jackson. We like Sam L. Jackson. Uh, but yeah, there should have been like a couple of warm moments between them to sell uh, that even if they're estranged, there's there's love there, man. There's love. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, I also what else think do you have that well I completely respect that this was not going to be part, like tied heavily into the mythology. I I understand because as much as that's kind of something that we, it's a super fun part of the series that also became an Achilles heel as it went on because they kept retconning and they kept saying, this is the story behind the story behind the story. And it's both very fun, but also gets kind of insane. And then the seventh one, especially, uh, uh, I'm sorry, no, the eighth one, this is nine, Jigsaw tried to have their cake and eat it too because they were like, this is not really connected to the others and we're not going to bring in all the Dr. Gordon and Hoffman and Amanda of it all. But instead we're going to say there's this other secret apprentice from the very beginning you never knew about um, was kind of a ridiculous, you know, just this is, you know, it's just so silly they're doing this. So I respect that they're like, this has to be its own thing. I mean, it's the first Saw film without Tobin Bell in That's what I was going to say is I felt they needed something a little more Uh, first, you know, in a perfect world, they would have figured out some way to have Tobin Bell in this movie, even if it's just a video, even if it's just something, uh, just to have his presence. It it just felt weird to me to not. Um, And, you know, maybe you could do some other connective tissue. I just felt like a little more, uh, yes, these cops, like, remember Jigsaw. Like, it's like, oh, you know, and they mention, uh, they don't use Secret Apprentice where they say, like, a protege or something like that. They use that term that, that he we he's known for doing that. Um, but I just felt like a little more. You see his photo. If you look closely at their wall, they've got like his autopsy from four, like images from it. I think there's a couple other people that are up on that wall that are from the previous movies. But I felt like, eh, is there something we can do here to connect it a little more? Because it just felt like, I get it. You want it to be accessible to new audiences and it did get overly convoluted, but you still you know, it is Saw 9 at the end of the day. So something to connect it back and to get Tobin Bell, even just his voice, hell, if he just did some a recording of some sort um, or, you know, hell, have it be uh, his voice that uh, is the voice that they're hearing, even though it turns out to not be him. Yeah, I feel like there would be
2: tapes of 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 John Kramer as Jigsaw doing the Billy the Puppet thing the, where Detective Shank could have just emulated that.
3: Right, right. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it you know, look, I think the movie has some fun um, kills and some fun traps. Um, I was, you know, I, I was enjoying it certainly for the first half. Um, and I do think empirically, if you take a step back, it's better than the worst Saw movies. Like, I still think, oh, you know, this is better than for sure. I'd say, you know, Saw 3D and uh, and Saw 5. But but those movies still have the the benefit of being more tied into the, you know, continuity of it all. So you still feel like they matter more. Uh, And this one, if it was going to do its own thing, needed to like really deliver. And especially that ending, like you said, it's like, they don't want to repeat themselves. And it's hard to top all the twists this series has done, but to have it be so telegraphed, so telegraphed, uh, that he is, that it's going to be him coming back and that he's not really dead uh, to me was crazy to the point. It's funny. They, I guess maybe they kind of knew because they don't even play hello Zepp when he's just kind of revealing himself. Uh, they play it later. Yeah. But it's still, uh, they, they, they first play it a little bit when, when Chris rock wakes up and he might have to saw his arm off, which is just a quick little beat. Um, but uh, yeah, it just feels like you needed something else there uh, because that is a series that is so known for these crazy twist endings that don't always work. And sometimes they get too clever for their own good. Um, but this seemed decidedly unclever and decidedly like just too obvious. Just, uh, just a very, very obvious thing. I mean, we joked before, you know. Yes, we joked about Samuel L. Jackson. It's going to be him, but I think the the most watching the trailer, you're like, if it's not Samuel L. Jackson, it's his partner. Uh, and then it is his partner, but more so, it's worse that you know, just the movie is like spotlight. <laughs> yeah, spotlight on- I- I'll tell you this: there was a, apparently there was an earlier
2: uh, version of the script where rock's character zeke was related to danny glover's character from the first movie
3: see i would have been cool with that <laughs> i would have been too
2: uh all this says is that the producer said it didn't pass the smell test i think it passes the smell test just hearing it
3: i mean uh, too, but especially because the saw movies have you know like you know see some of these ridiculous series and like fast and the furious and and you know it's like these, these movies can go they can be silly. Like we kind of, it's part of, it's part of the DNA. It's okay. Also, you know, what would have been awesome. Hmm. And he wouldn't have
2: even had to have been an apprentice because this is a copycat situation. Yeah. Bring Danny Glover in as the villain. (laughs) Why couldn't he have been the person like doing this? You know, like even if they, they decided not to do the thing where he's related to Chris rocks, character, Bring him well, back. I forget how yeah. he died.
3: How did he die? I think didn't his, get throat his throat like, got neck- slit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, like yeah, that, he can come back from that. That's fine. <laughs> like, well, wait. Now I'm forgetting because his, his throat got sliced in the backstory, right? But then I can't remember how he actually dies. Because then he has a scar, but then he actually dies. Something else happened. Like. Does he die? Shit. Oh well. I still think it could work. This is it's a saw franchise, like. Yeah, just bring him back. <laughs> he, is, he can be the twin brother. That I would have been an awesome twist.
1: <laughs>
3: well, no, I'm checking yet. How did David? How did Trap die? <laughs> um, oh well. Um, Zep and Tap engage in a brief sc- struggle that ends with Zep shooting Tap in the chest and leaving him to die. Easy, oh, he, easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's good. You he's kidding
2: fun. me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like. Oh, they should have brought him back and saw too.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I was happy to have a new Saw movie. Uh, it's it, it. I said it's funny that a series this grizzly has become like a sentimental thing, uh, that has a guys like hanging, you know, tongue <laughs> face piece. Um, I was like, oh, it's well, so no so
2: with that one, it's like that one and the, uh, um, the Marisol uh, Nichols one which is like if they just committed right at the beginning, they would have lived. They would have right, been maimed. Right. She would have been paralyzed. He would have lost his tongue, but they just hemmed in hawed and they waited too long. And it didn't, you know, it didn't work out for them in the end. The guy with his fingers though, is the one where it's like, yeah, you do the thing, but you also got to do it quickly and not uh, care about the, the searing blinding pain that it distracts you so much from
3: actually finishing the job. Right, right. I don't think they ever take that into account. But like you said, he's a cheater. Um, um I don't know what you just said about if they just committed, that makes me think of something funny that like that jigsaw quotes Twitter account could do about like the oh my, you just jumped right off it. I thought you'd struggle much more with this conflict. Like, you know, just just tore your tongue off and got away. Like all right. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: Oh, was it the one where he
2: was it the one where he's like you're just gonna pick the lock or something like? That? No, oh, I'm, I'm saying it's not an exact,
3: but it's the kind of thing I think could could definitely do well there.
2: Uh, the because about- the,
3: there was one he tweeted out a few weeks ago where it was like,
2: oh, you're just gonna pick that lock? I spent all this
4: thing. Uh, like- yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Although I still really, I know we talked about this one, but the the idea of the uh, the guy that this room was intended for didn't make it. It would this would have had a lot of meaning for him. Sorry. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> But yeah, uh, it's, it, it, I I would guess there will be another one just because again, like you said, it's like these these movies do not cost a lot. Um, even this one, even though it's going to be very low grossing with that, you know, that pandemic caveat, I realized A Quiet Place 2 just had a great opening and it's proving that people are going back. But, you know, Spyro will still have that like, well, we don't know what it would have done if it had just opened normally without the year delay. And, you know, it was still opening kind of, you know, even a month ago is still like, a month difference in who's going back to the movies and they don't cost a lot. And the next one would be the 10th one, which they said would be saw X. Um, you know, I'm, Oh, sure you know, I mean, obviously that means saw in space, right? In, saw in, space. in, <laughs> future, in future space. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be like event horizon meets saw. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah. It's Oh, and then i you know, here's one of the thought I had about this movie. It was interesting that, you know, it has a big message. And it's not the first Saw movie to have a big message, especially six, which is like the only really good one of now, still the only really good one. Uh, post- of the Howard. Hoffman era. Yeah. Of the, even even beyond the Hoffman era. Uh, you know, that one's a pretty major sort of message about the um, uh, insurance and like how health, you know, healthcare and how overly hard it is for people to get healthcare. Now this one is a big one about pr- police brutality and corruption And, you know, there certainly like is a message there, but it is odd to me, even though it's okay. And this movie was meant to come out a year ago. And so they could never have known it was going to be delayed a year. And then in that year, we're going to see everything that happened after like, you know, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, like in a bigger way than ever. And people really thinking about this stuff in a big way. It is still weird that it never comes up. I'm not saying it's not there, you know, that like, of course there is meaning in the fact that like, you know, the police shoot like a black man when they think he's like you know, well, I mean, again, that he's been manipulated literally to holding a gun, gun. yeah, yeah. But it's just strange that the movie never verbalizes it, you know, with two African American leads, and it's about police brutality and corruption. Uh, it is strange to me that even when they were making it a year and a half ago or two years ago, they didn't think we should bring that up a little bit. Um, even though they, it's are weird because well, corruption. an interesting element to this, and it, it feels
2: like they were kind of being a little too neutral, and they were both sides in it a little bit because mm-hmm. the two major black characters in this movie are cops. Right. And one is sort of the mastermind of the corruption. So <laughs> it's a weird thing to blend together with the other message.
3: Right. I feel like if they were making this movie now, they would realize they have yes. to address it. Yes. Uh, but it's still strange that two years ago, they thought eh, we can, yeah, we can get away with not addressing it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, disappointing for sure. Like I said, I think I liked it a little more than you, Matt, but at the same time, it just feels like a big missed opportunity because it could have been something really cool um, with these people involved. Um, but I yeah. still, I mean, I still had a great time. I was in a movie <laughs> yeah. theater,
2: uh, right. it was yeah. loud, the screen was big. Um, yeah, I was, I, I, you know, the traps were gross. It was all <laughs> fine. Uh, I was just a little bummed out because I was waiting for a mic drop that didn't kind of happen.
3: Right, right. Oh, well, the mic drop was the, uh, the spiral rap song in the closing credits.
2: That is the mic drop, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, that was our spiral chat. Again, not as extensive as some of the other song movies where we went through it in more detail because this one just came out in the theater.
4: Yes.
2: And uh, next week will be Hackers. Hackers, Eric.
4: Mm-hmm. And we're um, going to
2: go three hours on this one. <laughs> uh, remember, the, remember what the hackers love to scream? Remember that?
3: A hack the planet?
2: Yes. Hack the yeah. planet, Eric. Come Thank on, you. from the gut. I do remember that. Hack the planet.
3: Well, you don't
2: sound really excited about hackers, Eric. Eric, beforehand, was like,
3: Yeah, I don't care about hackers. You
2: know.
3: <laughs> but maybe I'll love it now. We'll I know see. people
2: like hackers, but hackers. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we'll do hackers next week, regardless of how Eric feels about it. Uh, I love it. And I'm tired too. I'm more tired than you. You should be. Yeah. I should be. Okay. Everything is possible, but nothing is real. And Shakma. Shakma. Shakma.